podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things, while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello, welcome to the Whistleblowers. I'm Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton and Gareth Dobson. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, Smudger. Hey. Um, I mean, FA Cup. FA Cup weekend's just gone. I'm going to ask you both a question. I want a one-word answer to it. Did that weekend highlight the magic of the FA Cup? Grits? Yes. Gareth? Affirmative. (laughs) All right. Well, one of the yes or no. You've gone off-piste immediately. Um, One-word answer. Yeah, no, that's fine. But Yeah, but you know what? I'm just going more binary than that. Uh, but yes, a th- a, 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 all three of us go with a, a variation on the word yes. The FA Cup was properly back this weekend. And I've got to be honest, I wasn't looking forward to it. And it's, uh, it's to be honest, it has is, it is humiliated me and uh, my previous opinion on the FA Cup this weekend. So let's talk about that in a lot of detail, I think. And let's start... Well, go on, go on, Grace. I was just saying, it's amazing you're mustering the strength to talk about it in the third. Like, detaching yourself subjectively from it when Derby's game. I mean, I, I didn't know whether you'd come down on it as a Derby yeah. fan or... We're going to we're be, gonna get into that. We're going to get into just, that. You're such a pro. Yeah, but we're going to get into... We will talk about Derby's game later on. Um, in fact, in, in, in not that long. Um, but let's start with the game on Friday night. Aston Villa versus Liverpool. On paper, a sort of similar game to the Derby one. Uh, Aston Villa, obviously, due to COVID protocols and regulations, they had to field I mean, not even really a youth team, like a sort of baby. Hashtag. Team. It was hashtag, yeah, wasn't it? it? Was a team of mascots uh, <laughs> against a bizarrely strange Liverpool side that given all of the complaining we've heard from Jurgen Klopp in terms of the number of games and the number of substitutions... Um, you know, you feel quite a strong team there. Gareth, let's start with you. Did you see that game? What did you make of it? Is Jurgen Klopp, um, is he taking the piss a little bit here? Um, so I did see the game. It, it was really enjoyable. And I think the the reason why I liked it was almost the microcosm of why this was such an interesting round. Because normally you have kind of, you know, the two reserve teams being fielded in the third round or maybe two full strength teams. And in this, you know, this year for a multitude of reasons, some some good, some, you know, some tactical, some enforced. It's just these bizarre mishmash teams and everyone has a different situation, be it, be it COVID or rotation or or other things. And you absolutely had no idea what teams, what lineups were going to be fielded. Like you said, the, you know, the, the Villa, what, what, a youth team, a third team across. And, and then Liverpool has this sort of bizarre hodgepodge team, which, you know, was clearly ultimately strong enough and I think that there was a big reaction to obviously the the Premier League game the the, the humbling defeat and yeah when you put Solar in against the uh, against the kids there is a reason to do that yeah but it wasn't you say a hodgepodge Liverpool side 
it, it wasn't there weren't any 16 year olds in there it, it was generally people that have been playing all season obviously they've got issues at the back so they were playing the reserve center backs but but grits that was still a strong liverpool side wasn't it and from that point of view how hard is it as an established seasoned pro uh, the likes of which liverpool were fielding to play against the team of kids because i've got a lot of sympathy for liverpool there because it is lose lose isn't it these games can go they go, they go generally go two ways. Uh, if, as a player, I always experience this. You would play against a team of young lads and they would be, their energy levels, if they get a bit between their teeth and something good happens for them, then you, your first half can be a living nightmare. Because, again, you can't win and at halftime you know you're going to get an absolute rollicking from the manager. Because, uh, again, the manager, if you're playing in the reserves or you're playing against a team like that, can't win win but also generally in the reserves it's like I'm here to prove a point and then the manager just come in and slaughter you I've, I've been on both sides of it the, this this fella team they went down so I thought that was it you know to go down after like three or four minutes early and that's yeah. that's the that's the real that's the, that that was the real quiz for this one because for them to be able to bounce back from that um, but also have this I don't know they just didn't seem affected by it it's such a great attitude a refreshing attitude there was no yeah, yeah. you know they, they, there wasn't any ego and Barry's endearing little interview that he did at the end was just like this guy's it's great when you see that There was and there was a few of them this weekend but sorry to go back to your point that Liverpool team again you, it just shows you the, the margins are tiny and if you don't start with the right attitude it's really yeah. hard it's really hard, yeah. and you can get made to look stupid very easily. I thought I thought they did pretty well, Liverpool. I, th- I think yes. it was a game actually that I, I wasn't looking forward to. Once I saw the well, once we found out that that Villa weren't going to be playing uh, anything like a strong team, once you saw the team sheet, that was then compounded, and I thought I'm not looking forward to this at all. And then the goal goes in so early, and you think I don't want to watch a bunch no. of kids get destroyed. I'm not into this. It's the same reason I don't want to watch a kid fight Mike Tyson. I don't want to see that. Um, I mean, and I'd, I'd be honest. First, once I'd, I'd watch the first five minutes, maybe for 30 <laughs> seconds. I just but see what happens. As, well, you know, in the boxing I need, analogy. I need to take the pulse of the nation, Mark, sometimes, you know. It's <laughs> you think like, it's in the last five minutes. That's, Mike, more, that's, that's more than a round. I think Mike would take to take his time and enjoy it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson seems like quite a calm, measured guy, doesn't he? Um, but after that, after that first goal went in, after three, three or four minutes, whatever it was, I'll admit I turned over because I didn't, didn't fancy it. And then I just happened to turn back over again, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, and it looked like Villa were, they were there, they were there. It was a game of football. And I actually yep. thought that Liverpool, in the end, did pretty well. Because as I say, I, I don't think, there's no doubt they're all completely professional. Of course they are, all the Liverpool players. But I just don't think you can raise your game to 100% when you're playing the kids. Gareth, what do you think? Because we saw with the Spurs game, you're a Spurs fan, we saw with their game, even Spurs were playing much younger players after a certain amount of time, they brought on some incredibly young players. So for Liverpool to go out and do that, I thought was was pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I, I do do think there was obviously a, a rhyme. That, you know, you look at with Spurs, they basically played the the season pros, and then they bring the kids in when they felt that the game was in hand. Spurs only really started one uh, one young player with the uh, with the Villa team. I mean, obviously, it, I was just looking at the squad numbers. It's I wonder if it's the highest cumulative squad number total ever. <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's a great, great, great data question. point. The, the yeah. lowest number was number thirty-seven, and the uh, the highest went all the way up to uh, went up to seventy. And uh, and plus the fact that you had in these brilliant championship manager regens, so you had Barry up front, you yeah. had Bohade, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in midfield, and it's it's you know it really was quite wonderful. 
And uh, uh, the other thing, if, if we're talking about weird weird names and numbers in, in the Spurs uh, Marine game, there was two Divines on the pitch, one for each team. Wow. That's you, you so, Gareth. I love this. Well, you know, it's all, all about the names and the numbers and the, the, the lovely obscure uh, elements of the of the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the Friday night game. And I thought that, uh, yeah, I thought both teams did, did pretty well. But I was a bit fearful for the rest of the weekend. And actually, it turned out to be great. There was, there was some really interesting fixtures. Uh, we can go on to the Derby game if you want to now, Grits. I know you want to say something about this. I know you'd I, I just want to, I want to spin it to you because you, you don't get to, in this in this role, Mark, I, I, mm. I'll flip it and just ask you, how did, it, was a, it was a lose-lose situation for Derby, wasn't it? I, I don't think I don't think so. Look, there's a difference between the, the uh, Liverpool Villa game and the Chorley Derby game. Now, I would argue that the the main difference between youth football and first team football is physicality, isn't it? It's it's the fact that you've got those extra few years and you're playing men compared to playing boys. And I would argue that. Villa's youth team going to Liverpool. Liverpool aren't known for their physicality. That's not their strength. They didn't win the league and win the Champions League in the last couple of seasons because of their physicality and their brute force. Yes, they're quick. Yes, they're strong. But that's that's not what they're there for. They're there because they're technically fantastic. They work well as a team. So I would actually argue that for the Villa boys, it's probably an easier game to play Liverpool in terms of that gap between physicality isn't so great. Whereas when you go to a team like Chorley, no disrespect to them, but that they are... They're a physical, big team who do well on set pieces, right? And that's what they've been doing for the last season and a half or so. So I think for the Derby lads to go there, play on pitches that are, that is, you know, these, these kids now, they, they, they are trained on pitches that look like bowling greens from the age of seven or eight. So to go to Chorley and play on a, on a pitch that was only allowed to be played on because the groundsman has, had camped out overnight under a, under a tent with it, you know, I don't think it was... It's not a similar situation to the Villa one at all. The Derby players did well. Let's not forget, it wasn't just the Derby first team that got put down with COVID. The under-23s did as well. So most yeah. of our team were from the under-18 under 18 squad. And it's not even a shock, because you look at the, the betting odds before the game, and surely we're 3-1 to one on with certain bookmakers. So I don't think you can label it a shock um, in the same... Well, you can't label it a shock at all. And I thought the Derby players, yeah, they did they did pretty well. I think that's a very fair summation. I think you cover it. Uh, the point is that that Villa side was, you know, and sorry, that Derby team, it, it was, if they had won, they would have gone, well, you know, you're expected to win, even though they, they weren't. I think you're absolutely Yes, because, because of the name. Yeah, yes, because of the division you, difference. Yeah. I, I To give, uh, I suppose, a good comparison, the, the only time I played on that Chorley pitch was the game got abandoned or we got held in at halftime because all the fans started fighting. There was so much violence and there was no police there. It was like, you know that scene in Gangs in New York where they run from every corner and they just <laughs> fight? And we were all on the pitch watching and we were like, what do, we do? what do we do? And like the ref just went, should we, should we just, let's just go in. I went in and was like, well, Brilliant. that's it. No, no, we'll just we'll wait till they've... Because there was no police to split it up. We'll just wait, we'll wait till they, but they've burnt each other. Like, basically, it's just burnt itself out. And I'm like going... Oh, so this is this is this is my this is me now. This is my career now. Just come down to play. And for any Chester fans that are listening, they won't be. But for any Chester fans that are listening, I mean, it was a, it was an inglorious 
um, few games that I played there, but Chorley will live long in the memory. Um, I think it was <laughs> That's good to know. No, no. And Matt Janssen was the manager. Remember, of course it was no, no. Of course it was yeah. no, no. This story can't be anything other than no, no. It was just, it was just brutal. Um, uh, but also, there's a nice. I'll, I'll link that story to something else later on when we get onto the marine yes, game. But, uh, yes, you will. But yeah, um, another another note on the uh, the Chorley Derby game. And, I, and I'm wondering. I've been wondering this for a little while. So, generally speaking, you, you sort of when a when a good like a Premier League team, when a Premier League team, for example, goes and plays a team like Chorley, so Marine Spurs is a good example, where there's it's a different world entirely to what the Premier League players are used to. The pitch isn't heated. You know, there's often bare patches on the ground. The ball bobbles around. A lot of these players won't have played on those pitches at all, right? A lot of those yeah. sorts of players now who've been in those youth systems from a young age won't have played at all. So what I'm wondering, in the next few years, as that as the last of those people to have experienced those pitches dies out, will there be a really good advantage for these lower league teams again? Oh, I mean... The, well, the weird thing is that the standard in non-league is the disparity between the teams that have these artificial pitches now. I've been watching a lot of yeah. Torquay this season. Torquay are just by far and away the best team in the non-league uh, circuit. And they've had to play some you know, big bruising sides. Well, this is the irony. When you get a big bruising side that plays on an artificial pitch. So, like, you know, see Bromley and Eastleigh have got, like, kind of two big sides in the National League that would give probably give a really good game to some some higher teams but they just get yeah. passed around on those pitches you're absolutely right there is going to be a kind of vinyl revival for for some of these absolute gargantuan humunculus yeah. sides of uh, the the, the non-league also that that is the magic of the fa cup i mean the, um some of the best the players that used to come down to our league from the higher leagues used to with a wry smile say the fa cup doesn't begin till january and they were absolutely right <laughs> Yeah. But at the same time, these are the games that remind them going, this is this is the workhouse football that, that, that props you all up. So just remember that we're still here. Yeah, well, with that in mind, let's let's move on to the Marine Spurs game. Because um, there are players in that Spurs team, I'm looking at someone like Deli Alley, who was fantastic, who has plied his trade at a lower level and therefore probably is used to less glamorous surroundings. And I think that sort of thing can really help you. And there is the other thing, of course, which is, most of the time, when a top-level player plays on a pitch like this, you realise, oh yeah, they're, they're still just a fantastic footballer. Wherever yeah. you're going to play them, you can play them on the beach. They're still going to be superb players. Gareth, you're a Spurs fan. Talk us through, talk us through the game, but also talk to that first sort of 20, 25 minutes. It was I, uh, I mean, the first, like you said, the first 20, 25 minutes were were great to watch. I, I'm guessing great to watch from a from a neutral perspective because it did feel like even though Spurs had all the possession, it was you know, there was a game and you could see that thing where the longer it goes on, the more we go, Oh, I wonder if something's gonna happen here and you know, yeah. if Spurs yeah. continue to be frustrated and then lo and behold, you know, Joe Hart almost wafts one in over his head. Uh, you know, that absolutely uh, phenomenal shot against the crossbar. And that was that was probably the moment that spurred uh, uh, Tottenham on to to actually you know to get it done as it were because I think they scored what a couple of minutes after that and yeah yeah and then they kind of cruised but it was it was exciting and it was it was I probably think the game of the round because you know of the huge huge difference between the teams in their in their league standings and um, I did think the 
the BBC coverage was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they they pulled out the full pageantry. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, all the different absolutely. features, all the elements, and yeah, it really kind of set a scene. And I'm glad that it did take that kind of you know 25 minutes, half an hour for for the game to kind of you know move into Spurs' comfort zone. Because if it was two 0 after 10 minutes, I think it would have been a bit of a letdown. But there was you know there was there was, the there was a game. For, yeah, there was a game yeah, for a while, wasn't there? And and then Spurs did you know did the kind of semi decent thing yeah, where yeah. It, they kind of you know eased off a little bit in the second half and it was uh, it worked very well and, and you know I, I know I'm a cri- I, I'm a critic of him and he's not my favourite person but also props to Mourinho for playing the whole event perfectly. So yeah, the BBC yeah it was it was great yeah. wasn't it that's what you want as a Marine supporter them to take you seriously and to make and to yes. make it an event and that's exactly what Joe, you know what Jose would be he'd be a, a brilliant uh, boxing promoter he always will step yes. up and he'll always make it a, a spectacle of some sort and, I think and that's they great yeah. to not yeah totally yeah, it's, a, it's a brilliant uh, analogy but and, and the other things they, they managed to not cross that line of uh, uh, become condescending um, it was all it was you know fairly respectful and understood where everyone was coming from and it was more yeah just just really enjoying this 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 strange disparity in the you know dare we say it the magic of the cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lovely, Gary. How, how many times are we going to say this? That's yeah, think game wise is, is yeah, uh, Delhi was the was the stand up player. He probably had the most. to... I mean, it's interesting. You know, how much does he have to gain? Because you feel that yeah, you know, no matter how well he played, I don't think Mourinho is going to look him. Like, okay, well, in you go into the first team, you've you, you played you, well against Mourinho. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but quite, it has probably helped him maybe if he's looking for for something going forwards. There's definitely an ego thing with Ali. That's one of those players. Mark make an excellent point by saying that because he's played in those lower leagues and he used to probably just glide past players and be like, "I'm going to do this. This is going to be a bit of fun for me. I'm going to enjoy yeah. this." And he and that's perhaps how he viewed it. And Mourinho before the game was just sensational. The the. Mm-hmm. You know, Premier League. He goes, if we lose in the Premier League, he goes, that that is my fault. If we get beat today, accent? it is the players' fault. These are that's a French Mourinho. Um, so, uh, and but speaking just, of speaking of managers, uh, I gather that you're a you're a big fan of the uh, the, the, the manager for Marine Neil Young. Uh, is you, that right? Would you you might have you've got that a little bit wrong because I, I mean I've got no problem with Neil Young whatsoever. I uh, I only found out on retrospect when they panned to the touchline. I was like, oh, he was my manager at Chester when we played that game at Chorley, um, and he is he's a great bloke to be fair, and he did certainly did not get the best of Martin Gritton, uh, who has just been released by Chesterfield. I was training with them for uh, just like because they were they were local to me when I was playing in I was living in Manchester, so training then played a few games for Chester and. It did not go well. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but at the same time, there was a brilliant piece work. So basically, I went back. I, I ended up signing for Yeovil for the rest of the season. Yeovil in League One. So I jumped about five leagues back up after the Chester fans had, had pretty much given me a pummeling. But this, I, I'm not none the none the wiser because I can't. I don't know when this abuse happened because I was probably already on the way down to. The Oval and Neil Young had defended me in the paper saying, you know, the, the criticism of Martin Gritton was un, un, you know, unnecessary. I think my dad forwarded it to me at the time. Well, like, so there's, there's an article in the paper specifically talking about the amount of abuse you were getting. Yes, I have absolutely <laughs> not, which is great, really. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm so glad that Twitter wasn't in full flow back then. But at the same time, I, I do find it quite amusing because if I'd have been on the touchline, I'd probably have been screaming at me as well. 
I like the bit where um, he says the the criticism was unnecessary, not unjust. <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I will hold You're already my dead. hands up. They were good. Honestly, there's some good guys, and at that level, that's the thing as well. If you go down to that level, it is a kind of lose lose because you come down like, well, you should be able to pull up trees and you should be scoring goal again. But then you're playing in these games. We played teams like Chorley, Skelmsdale. Um, oh, who else did we play? Like absolute battles, and you're playing against players that are professional quality that dropped into semi-professional that you know if anything are just more menacing at that level because the pitches everything is an absolute leveler and then it's all about tiny margins and if your heart's not in it which uh, on retrospect may not have been um uh, it can it can show in your performances i certainly it certainly kicked me up the backside when i went into yovo and uh, ended up seeing lads like luke ailing he just come from arsenal seeing these young lads that were just like the hungriest best attitude yeah, that, yeah, yeah that was really infectious and that gave me the the kind of get up and go and go and come on let's you know let, let's get your head screwed back on but yeah yovo uh, chester was you know and it's a great club because the chester were one of those clubs that had gone from being uh, you know, administration to, to then community owned and built themselves back up. But the, the problem that goes with that is, you know, um, you know, too many uh, people with an opinion on it uh, in the boardroom that then were probably inviting at the time going, who's responsible for signing Martin Gritton? And uh, and I do pity them. But there you go. It's like the, it's um, like the Pepe inquiry. <laughs> this is it. Absolutely. Surely there must be better out there. But it was a long time ago and I don't like to But you're right, though. You're right, Gritz. The, the, the non-league environment can be incredibly intimidating and incredibly difficult. And for those, to go back to Derby, for those Derby young players, 17, 18, some of them, so then we're going to play against these hardened, grizzled ex-pros that have done it. They've mixed it in all different leagues, in all different weathers for the last decade. It is, it's an eye-opener. From my own personal experience, I remember going from uh, academy football getting a injury at sort of 16, not playing till I was uh, 18 and going in to play for uh, Hucknall Town during a pre-season. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were in the Unibon Premier. And to go from youth football, and I'm already, I'm a skinny bloke anyway, but I was skinny as anything then, to then go into Unibon Premier, what it was at the time, managed by player manager Phil Starbuck at the time. It was just like, it was an absolute eye-opener to see how good these players were, but also how much knowledge of the game they had. So there's, there's a Derby players there They've got all that to contend with, and I mean, I just think it's uh, it's 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 remarkable, really, that they stayed in that game at all. I think my my last comment uh, on, on my involvement in the FA Cup was we played Hucknall Town. I was at Torquay United. We got beat two 0 by a Hucknall Town team that was we were League One. It was me, Bailwack, and Fenwa played up front with me in that game. I think Leon Constantine as well. We were just yeah, right. we had a good side out. And uh, we just got totally outclassed and we got taught a lesson. And it was a valuable lesson that day is uh, complacency, you know, arrogance. And if you don't respect your opponent, whatever um, level they're at, uh, you, you can come unstuck. Absolutely. Right. Good time to take a break, I think, there. After the break, we'll talk more about the FA Cup. Plus, we'll have a little look ahead to some of the midweek Premier League games. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers. Hope you had a nice advert break. Buy whatever it is they're selling. Um, I think the uh, Gareth, you, you said that you thought the Marine Spurs game was probably the game of the weekend. I disagree, and not even that respectfully. I just disagree because <laughs> I think both the Blackpool West Brom game and oh. the Crawley Leeds game were absolutely brilliant. Uh, let's start with Blackpool West Brom because we've talked about Big Sam probably two or three weeks in a row now. Uh, this has got to be a new low for him, though, hasn't it? Uh, drawing at Blackpool then losing on penalties. Let's start with you, Gareth. It's yeah, I mean it's it's really really rough. I, I I do feel that you know Allardyce has never seemingly been that fond of the FA Cup. I think usually in January his teams are mired in the middle of something, and uh, and he does seem to be ready to discard. But even so, you know when you've lost a bunch of games, you're early in, as a manager. Then you know I, I think most most teams look at the FA Cup as 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 respite or a way to like Sheffield United this weekend as a way to stop the rot and maybe you know, have, have a research. So I, I don't know whether he just doesn't give a fig or, you know, or, or things at West Brom are, are just so bad, but mm. it was, you know, I mean, Blackpool were, you know, are not in good shape as a, as a club. And, but I, I bet when they, when they saw this, this, uh, this game coming up, they were, they were very excited and you can see why. Yeah, absolutely. Martin, did you see this game? Yeah, I did. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Blackpool, uh, you're absolutely right, Gareth. The club is maybe in disarray. The football team is actually the, the, they're doing really well at the minute. Um, in terms of you know the, the personnel, they've built it back up. League One, probably their level as, as it has been for a long time until they had they kind of flirted and went their way up to the Premier League and back down. But, if, I mean, they're a very tough team to play. Again, Mark, that point of people underestimating that I would imagine that West Brom side they come through some absolute slugfest in these last few weeks and probably thought this this would just be a nicer game for us nope I mean like that's a that, that's a Blackpool team again you've got Gary, exist. Yeah. Gary Maidane you know Gary Maidane's a striker that is always flirted with you know he's a championship level striker that kind of never quite broke never got the opportunity at Cardiff when they went into the Premier League and he is a nightmare to play against. He's mm. he's big, he's strong, and he's not afraid of anyone. And and Sam Allardyce pointing to that, and you know his post match. I mean, Sam Allardyce is as well. You got this kind of the case of the X. He you know he was a, a he was he was a great manager for Blackpool. You know, it was it was what propelled him onto Bolton. Uh, and and you've got these kind of connections with clubs that that, that there must be something in that. You know, there's there's certainly the FA Cup throws up these situations a lot more than most because you know the. You, the chances of these teams ever meeting each other in any other competition of you know virtually non-existent. But um, yeah, it was brilliant. And to be honest, the, the attitude of uh, Blackpool, the penalties was great, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and they deserved it. You know, they were they were fully deserving of it. You're right about the storylines. The FA Cup just throw these up, doesn't it? It's it's like a uh, reality TV show. Speaking of which. Let's move on to Crawley versus Leeds. Uh, lovely link. Uh, because we had a little cameo, didn't we, from uh, someone from, made in, not made in Chelsea, Only Wears Essex. Mark Wright from uh, Only Wears Essex. Gareth, did you see the Crawley-Leeds game? Um, if you did, talk me through the game a little bit, but also just that 
the the fact that they brought on a reality TV star at the end there to play against uh, Marcelo Bielsa team was that shithousery? Um, I mean, seemingly not. So Mark Wright, you know, was was pursuing a a professional professional. Oh, he's a decent game. player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, but I guess it's shithousery because he came on at three 0 and it was okay. Well, fine. This is this is my moment. It's not gonna. But they the they game. know what's yeah. happening. They, they aren't they aren't stupid. He knows it's three 0 It's not gonna affect the game, like you say. But they know that that is gonna go viral immediately. And I don't want to be too much of a cynic here, but I'm sure that Crawley signed him with one eye on on his social media presence and and you know his fame and there's nothing wrong with that and and it is being you know it is a a bbc documentary so they would they would have been fully complicit in this but um i i think hang on i think it's itv oh itv okay apologies and it's not a documentary what are you talking about (laughs) what so they're documenting mark wright's uh, uh attempt to return to the game Oh, are they? Yes. I didn't know that. I thought I thought you were talking about only wears Essex. I didn't know that. Wow, that that makes it different completely. I've quite to say, jump down my throat. More of a uh, cock you gently than than documentary, yeah. <laughs> Indeed, but it's. I mean, he's. I would say he's good enough. But when you when you bring him on at three 0 it's more like okay, fine, whatever. Let's get this over with. And it is, you know, you're not bringing on the fifty year old chairman. Um, you know, as, <laughs> as, as has happened, as has happened. The, I, I just to uh, chime in on this. In two, back in two thousands, well, mid two thousands, my mate was like player manager of Crawley, and I think Mark Wright was at the club then, and he either was kind of on trial or like kind of trying to either he's on loan or something. But I remember he, he has form there and there must be still some ties there. And to be honest, as you said, Mark, he's, he is a very good footballer. He's a decent um, player, definitely. Yeah, he is a decent player. And they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, because if they'd have started him, it would have been horrible for him. And to be honest, the 3-0 situation just makes it makes it nice. I think, to be honest, it probably does him a disservice that you know he came on because it makes it look like he's a reality TV star when probably, yeah, he would have loved to have been a footballer. He'd like to be a footballer in his own right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gareth, you're absolutely right about this. I'm just reading it now. So, uh, BBC Sport are following TV personality Mark Wright on his journey with League Two side Crawley Town as he pursues his dream of playing professional football. Yeah, so that's uh, that's exciting, isn't it? The first two episodes available now. We, Third we, episode we all good. love the journey as well. It's, love it's, the you journey. have to use the word, the word journey. But it's, I mean, you know, Crawley, were, you know, would be on good value for when they, you know. Oh yeah, they're playing the games, didn't they? Let's talk about that. Apart. They crushed. Good team, good team, yeah. really yeah, good team. Very much so, and and they're in good form. You know, obviously going to they're they're in the playoff positions and uh, Leeds. I mean, Leeds fielded, you know, not the first choice eleven, but essentially, you know, anyone in their 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 full squad was you know was under consideration. Players like Jack Carrison played and strong, you know, strong team. I thought. Yeah, very much so. And it's I I don't know whether it was a, a, a you know a tactical thing and and Crawley sussed them out or you know if you want to go deeper and just say Leeds are maybe what have one of the most embarrassing FA Cup records of the last twenty years. I mean their their ability to lose to to, to sort of you know teams well below them is 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 quite impressive. Uh, <laughs> so you know you could argue it's just this was fated to be and yeah it was a continuation of that, but. You know, it is one of those ones, you know, you have shocks, you have upsets, and then you have games where a team that just happens to be three divisions below just, you know, absolutely blow blow their opposition away. Is it too simplistic and too cliched to say that uh, certain players for Leeds look tired? 
I I mean, possibly. Uh, one of the saying, right? Everyone says Bielsa's teams are so high intensity, such a, a, a good pressing game that inevitably they tire out over a long season. Now, I'm looking at Calvin Phillips in particular, who I was surprised was playing because he's probably the most high-profile player. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, he did look a bit leggy. I'm going to say it. He looked a bit leggy. Arrest me. <laughs> yes, but I mean, maybe that's more, for, you know, the, the Christmas period, you know, Bielsa's teams, yeah, even though he does ask a lot of them, they don't usually go kaput by by January. I, I think it would be uh, even more worrying if that was the case rather than, you know, sort of March, April. But, and yeah, and, and last year, they obviously went right through to, well, I mean, there was the change season, but they didn't give up across the season. So, I mean, maybe that's overplayed. In, in this situation, I, I think, you know, some people who know Leeds quite well have suggested that um, a lot of those players playing were are still relatively new to the club. They've come in this year and it can take quite a while to sort of bed into you know, Bielsa's teams. And if you're, you know, even if you're slightly off, it, it can go awry. So potentially, even though it looked like a good, strong team, it may not have been a, a well-functioning one. Yeah, but you're right to, to start off that section by saying how good Crawley were because it's easy to get lost in saying how poor Leeds were but Crawley completely deserved that game and were brilliant uh, also it is nice to see um, Kassia the Leeds keeper good to see him prove that he's as bad a goalkeeper as he, as he is a person <laughs> it was a Awful. Uh, the, Awful. The, the last thing on those teams like Crawley Mark because I'm lucky enough to be watching teams like that for the last couple of years with Plymouth and Torquay doing its country yeah. and the brilliant brilliant players that, that just are, are trying to find their way back up the leagues that's the real story that's the real journey and I love you know I, I think Mark Wright going in will actually shine a light on some of these guys because there's there's so many of those players in the lower leagues and you think about how hard it is for them to have been rejected and then come all the way around. Oh, great. I'm here for the Louis Barrys of the world that, have, you know, that have, you know, had a, had a good journey and working hard all those years. But um, yeah, there's a lot of good young players that hopefully will, will use the FA Cup as some sort of springboard to, to kind of Absolutely. get back up. Absolutely. Sorry, a quick question for, for you, Grits, is that, so, you know, reading the quote, you know, uh, Alioski was, so we we took this game really seriously, and I do always feel that whenever that's said, it's almost an admission that they actually didn't, and and yeah, they're yeah. protesting too hard. Like when you hear that, do you automatically think, no, you didn't? Yeah, gaslighting. Absolutely. What's he What's he playing at? I, it, it is one of those ones. You can go into those games with the best of attitudes, but you can't kid yourself. And deep down, there's some part of you. Again, you you rely on it's one or two times. It's that's when you need the players like Kieran Tierney in your team that just do what they always do, and it doesn't matter who they're playing against. And you need that's why good skippers are worth their salt and good professionals that will get you through those games. So if you get beat by a team that beat you on merit, great, but you shouldn't get beaten on heart and, and application. I think also you're right, Ogarth, that leads as a function inside are a very well-oiled machine. And if you start to kind of move parts around, um, it doesn't function as, as well as it can. Um, let's move on to Newport Brighton. Um, I mean, it was very nearly another shock on this, uh, this FA Cup weekend didn't quite happen for them. There was though, a wonderful bit of goalkeeping in the 96th minute for Brighton that led to a Newport equaliser, but Newport do seem to have a, a pretty good relationship with this cup. Don't they? Martin. Oh, sorry. I, I wasn't listening to you at all there. Um, can, right. can you just repeat that question, please? I genuinely know someone was at the front door. Um, Who was it? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter because they've ruined is, the podcast. This, this is <laughs> just go back. 
going to ask me No, I'm not going back. Have a guess what the question was and answer it. Um, It was something about... Are we still in the FA Cup? We are, (laughs) Gareth, answer my question if you, if you were listening. <laughs> uh, New, Newport do seem to crop up most yes, of the years in the FA Cup, yes. Uh, thanks, Gareth. Right, and next week on the. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. The question was, Martin, uh, Newport seemed to be well built for this competition. It seemed to always be. It always seemed to be a story about Newport every season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You're ruining what is a <laughs> superb show. Listen, you realise that? Yeah, but I, I almost feel the pressure's on Newport to turn up uh, the shocks. It then gets a little bit weird and tiresome, doesn't it? It's just like, oh, for God's sake, here we go again. You know, people <laughs> put Paddy Almond Paddy Almond Paddy up front Al- for them, yeah. having to do all the, having to literally pull things out of his behind to get, to beat teams two or three leagues above. I mean, come on. It's not fair on poor Newport. Also, that pitch. I mean, it, they haven't spent that money on the pitch, that's for sure. No, that's... Yeah, that's true. That, that, that is, but that's, that is... It seems to suit them when these big teams come along. Maybe not all bad. Uh, okay, Martin, uh, listen and listen carefully, because I will be asking you another question <laughs> in moments. But I'll start with Gareth, because he seems to be uh, just far more switched on, generally. Um Big week of Premier League games coming up. We're back into the league action again. And it starts with midweek games. Uh, I think the biggest one might be... Oh, maybe, the, maybe not biggest, but certainly one with, with a lot riding on it. Burnley against United. An opportunity for a pretty OK United side to go top of the league. Yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah, and obviously Burnley have had their traditional uptick in form. And it would be... I think it would still be quite jarring for people to, you know, on, on Wednesday morning, open their digital newspapers and see Man United at the top of the league because it seems to break every established narrative. But, you know, I suspect it's going to happen. Uh, I guess it's worth noting that Burnley last season was seen as uh, the nadir, I think, of, uh, of Solskjaer's uh, you know, season last year. You know, they had some good bits and bad bits, and that was definitely did, the worst. Did, did, did they signed Bruno directly after their home loss to, to Burnley? I think... Yeah, I think so. I think you might be right. And it was it was certainly the bit where you, you saw the players trudge off the pitch and it just looked like a terrible, terrible situation. And, you know, the upturn, as we, we've talked about since then, you know, in, in the calendar year has been has been absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, maybe, you know, Solskjaer's got this one ringed as, as a chance to right another wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I do think they'll win. And I suspect that, you know, we will be... I suspect they might be able to hold on to the top of the table for a while because they are in very good form. They are, but Martin, Gareth touched on it there briefly. Burnley, are, we are seeing their uptick in form and I do feel like they can, two men up front, a physical side, I do feel like they can cause teams problems and United haven't been great at the back this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of those ones where it's, it's going to be Burnley's Four. I mean, what they won three at the last four. Uh, I mean, their organisation versus Man United's confidence, basically. Because if Man United are confident, they can beat anyone in the league. And and unfortunately, Burnley can't really. Don't have the same sort of imposing defensive unit as as they've had for maybe a few years. That they're, they're struggling to do that. But the you know the, they won the last game on the clean sheet. So so who knows? But that was against was that against Sheffield United. Um, I, I think that Man United are going to have too much for them because I just think there's there's so much confidence running through that side at the minute, and everyone wants to 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 get on the ball and and you know show what they can do. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tough game for Burnley. But 
I've always thought this. So United are in great form in the league, and then okay, they lose to Man City in the League Cup semi-final. That can happen. You know, City are an excellent side, and I think actually they probably will win the league this year. So I've got a good feeling about them. But my point is this: United playing one of the league, doing one of the league, good momentum. They lose to Man City. They then play a second string against Watford in the FA Cup and play really, really lethargic football. Isn't it really, isn't it really the case that getting momentum and keeping it? is the hardest thing to do in football and to surrender that momentum by playing a second string against a, uh, you know, a team in the division below. Can't that throw everything off the rails a little bit, Grits? Yeah, I think, I think Solskjaer's missed a trick there, but I think also Solskjaer, unfortunately his management isn't about consistency. Uh, ever, uh, only time he's had consistency is at the very start when they, uh, I mean, when they got, when he got the a contract out of it. Exactly. And yeah, what, as yeah. soon as they got that, it, it was almost like the players relaxed, not Solskjaer. So, I mean, I don't know. This team, they're, they're a very hard t- team to predict. All you know is that if Fernandez is playing, they're probably going to win. Yeah, there's there's nothing more exciting at the moment than watching United in transition from defence to attack with Bruno on the ball. Because you just think from he's, got all these, yeah. he's got exactly. all these runners and he can pick a ball. I mean, yeah, okay, he gives the ball away a lot as well, but who cares? Um, let's talk about Wolves-Everton, another one that uh, I like the look of this week. Uh, Gareth, Adama Traore scored a worthy in the FA Cup. He's someone who I really like. He hasn't really been up to up to par this, uh, this season. Is he... Is he as good a player as I think he might be. Um, and if so, can he be the talisman for Wolves whilst uh, Jimenez is still out? It, it, he does appear to have stepped up a bit or, or he's found his way back into... The last couple of games, yeah. Line, yeah, because there was there was quite a long period where, um, you know, he, he, he wasn't a first-choice player this season, which I think surprised a lot of people because he obviously had his breakout uh, season. And, you know, he, he's so dynamic and, and, and forceful, you know, really skillful, um, and I think, you know, people were expecting this to be the step up year. And I, I think tactically it was decided it, that wasn't where, you know, Wolves wanted to start the season. And he, he's found his way in and, and they do need, uh, you know, like you said, with, with, with Raul Jimenez out, they, they do need, you know, maybe that, that sort of, you know, iconic starting player for them. And he, he's done really well. And he, it feels like he's stepped up, which is probably a really good sign for, both his development, his maturity, and Wolves seem to be looking a bit more solid. You know that they've moved to, you know, this back three um, or five at the back more, and um, you know it seems to have given them quite a lot of stability. But I do, you know, do wonder where this goes. Everton, you know, have had a pretty lean period until recently. They too, have, and you know, picked up their form. They squeezed their way through against Rotherham this weekend with a, a fairly strong team. Um, yep. They'll be excited because uh, Luca Digne is back and uh, made Luca Digne's back. Yeah, so that, and Hammers seems to be yeah. seems to be getting sharper with every every passing minute again. So Grits, that Wolves Everton game, how do you see that one going? Given the players yeah. back for Everton, interesting. Well, Everton will play us back, but Calvert Lewin confirmed he's out for it, which is is a blow. I mean, is Carson, he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he, just announced uh, it. Yeah, just just come out. Uh, Richardson should be okay, um, but I mean, I don't. Wolves, Wolves, maybe slightly fresher. I think, but West. I think um, uh, was it extra time that they had to beat Rotherham in uh, Everton? So Everton mm-hmm, yeah. kind of had a, yeah. a bit of a slugfest with them. Uh, I, I think Wolves one 0 against Palace was an excellent win for them in the cup. Uh, they're probably going into just probably as confident, but I mean, it it probably has draw written over it, doesn't it? I think both yeah, teams will take I the point so. in this one because it's at that point of the season where get a point and move on. 
I, I find Wolves quite frustrating because they've got some uh, brilliant individuals, but yeah, the. They don't. They don't play that expansive a game, do they? They they seem to like playing in these. They like to have a a compact midfield. They don't let players do what they want. All right, Traore breaks off a run every now and then, but it just feels like they're playing within themselves. And I would like to see those players express themselves a bit more. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Wolves. They're just. They're just. They're very effective without being um, as exciting as I would like as a neutral. But, I mean, they're organised. Yeah, they're organised. Yeah, so yeah, but it. everyone should and be organised, Grits. Everyone should be organised. No, I know, but but I mean, when you look at how tight the league is and the margins for error, you know, I think everyone's kind of looks at like people like Roy Hodgson and says, "What is he doing at Palace? How, how do we yeah. kind of mirror to well, get Palace the best?" Palace is a great example. The, the Palace yeah. is a great uh, sort of companion team to Wolves in the same sense that they have these individuals, but play. Yeah, yeah. you're right. They're organised. They play within themselves for the greater good and to make sure they are safe and and above. Their organisation is the reason why they're eight points ahead of Brighton, for example, because yes. Brighton are a very good team, but they try and win matches, and sometimes that gets them unstuck. Also, particularly how many games Brighton have drawn that they could have won, or games that they've had to drag themselves back into through you know just basic errors. I think Wolves are less error-prone, but you're absolutely right. They've got players that we could expect more from, and potentially you add a couple of players to that Wolves team, and they, they could push on. Yeah, definitely. They've got the right manager in charge, that's for sure. Um, right, anything else you want to talk about? Any other subjects that I've missed out here? Oh, I thought it was a pretty good weekend of football, wasn't it? It was a, it was a lot more football than probably... I mean, as much as I missed the Barclays, uh, it, it was nice little... Um, it's a nice little diversion, wasn't it? The FA Cup. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even sure the FA Cup should have been going ahead, though, still. you know, I mean, it is sort of mad <laughs> that we're now mixing elite and non-elite football when the testing has been so different for so long. And and you got the scenes like at Marine with all the fans lining the streets. Yeah, it just yeah. feels like I don't it's want to be stuck in the mud, but it is a it is a bit mad, isn't it? It shows you that how much the FA Cup is relied on by the FA as an organisation for it, it. It had to go on. It's the same way that the Premier League is kind of absurd that that's going on, but there's so much riding on it in terms of finances. But, but at least with the with the Premier League, we know how strict the testing is. It's oh, only I, the last week we've mate, been told that league players are going to start getting tested twice a week. I totally agree, and and also there's going to be a big there's going to be a big uh, shortfall when. Um, these games start getting cancelled because there's no the, the the football league has no wiggle room. You know, there's no breathing room. If we're going to get the Euros, going to get everything done. So, yeah, and I and I I really fear for that. So the, the FA Cup is almost going to be more important than the than the football league, particularly to the FA. If you look at that as a money maker, but that's a different podcast. Gareth, are we going to see the Euros happen, or is that going to be uh, cancelled because of overcrowded fixture lists? It, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to postpone it for the League Two playoffs. Um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I mean, the Euros will happen come come hell or high water. I think the interesting thing will be uh, how well attended they will be, and 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 in which cities and so forth. And that that that's going to start playing out. I I think in March and April we'll know more. Lovely stuff. Right. Well, sorry we couldn't leave it on a sort of a happier Matt, note. Matt, what are you doing? Tell us something happy. Make us make us put a smile nothing. on our face. I'm, doing nothing. I'm, I'm losing money on Bitcoin. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Grit coins where it's at, mate. <laughs> Lump on. Uh, Gareth, what have you got to plug? Uh, I have uh, nothing to plug quite yet, but in a couple of weeks, there's going to be some exciting news with uh, some new records and some new books. So I'll be pestering you then. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Rich, anything to say? No. Uh, what's going on, Football Three Six Five, mate? Can we can we see and hear your face? Can yeah, you can hear my face, face on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays 
on football365.com and across all their uh, across all their uh, social media channels. So have a look at that. Bit of fun. Yeah. Right, that's what we've got time for then, I think, this week, if we're all, if we're all finished. Thank you to Martin Gritton. Thank you, Gareth Dobson. We'll be back same time, same place next week, I imagine. Cheers. Until then, Cheers. goodbye. Bye-bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.